Hello and welcome to the Village Church Podcast. My name is John and we are glad to have you join us. We work to deliver our most recent preaching content to you as soon as possible, so let's get into God's Word together. Family Matters, this is our third week. We've only got one more. Next week we're going to talk about children. This week we are focusing on the woman, something that I have 42 years of vast experience in. I told the men's Sunday school class this morning, please pray for me. Someone said, we're going to pray for us. We've got to go home with our wives after you speak this morning. Family Matters is a series seeking to bring biblical definition and clarity to the family, its members, and their roles. It's a series intended to equip us as God's people to engage in the war that is raging against the family by our culture. Culture is trying to redefine and reshape what the family is. They are trying to take away. In recent years, you've heard words like the nuclear family. You've heard these words, and maybe you haven't paid attention to them, but the world is trying to take apart what God has designed. And it's really interesting to me as we consider that the world is trying to take apart what God has designed, that God himself, in the institution of marriage, says, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So though the world may be trying to take apart what God has designed, they are not able to and they will not succeed. However, as Christians, we are ambassadors of God's kingdom. We are, all of us, to be heralding the truth of God's word. This is not just my job. It is just primarily my job. It is our job. It is incumbent upon us as Christians to be heralding and proclaiming and advocating for the truth that God's word sets forward regarding the family. Family Matters is a message seeking to help encourage and inspire that among us to give us biblical bearing against the tidal wave of the culture that would destroy and destruct the family. Why? Because ever since it was created in the Garden of Eden, The enemy of God and of God's people, Satan, has been deceiving and distorting the truth of God's word and attacking the family. This message is for everyone. This morning we are focusing on the woman. It is incumbent upon every one of us in the room. We are all a part of a family. It is incumbent upon every one of us in the room, most specifically those born-again believers in Jesus Christ, to understand the roles that God has designed in marriage to understand how they work, how they relate together with one another. Women of every age, I encourage you, please take careful note of what God's word calls you to be. The age is irrelevant. If you are able to understand English and the words coming out of my mouth, take note of what God calls you to be scripturally. Married men, single men, Learn more about what a woman is supposed to be so that you are equipped to, if you are married, pray for and lead your wife as you are called to, or to pursue and marry a wife if that is something that God has in your future. We must learn how to live, specifically married men, with our wives, the Bible says, in an understanding way, as one who is weaker, not lesser, one who is weaker. So there is work for the husband in all of this message this morning as well. I said we're focusing on the woman, and 95% of the men in the room were like, I just checked out because you're talking to my wife today. Wrong. I'm talking to you. In fact, it's possible that I'll preach more to you today, men, than I did last week when we focused on the man. Because every success and every failure of your wife stems from you. She has choices to make. But as Adam abdicated his position in the garden, so you also may end up abdicating your position in your marriage and your wife may falter and stumble if you are not properly aligned with God's design as a husband. Single men, learn what you should be looking for in a helpmeet. A spouse is not simply a best friend for the rest of your life, though that does happen, praise God. A spouse is a helpmeet. A spouse is a compliment. A spouse is a counterpart. Understand biblically what you should be looking for. Children, understand the role that your mother has. Understand that the authority she has in your life, no matter how you may begrudge it at times, 
is given by God over you. We talk often as citizens of, of this country, and every Christian around the world can talk about this, regardless of the country that they live in. We talk often about how Romans directs citizens of a country to understand that the government of that country wields the authority of the sword as given by God to maintain justice and peace and to protect those in the land. Children in the room, and we'll talk more next week about it. Children in the room, you need to understand that your parents exist for that same purpose in your life. So no matter the age, if you are here this morning and you have a parent living, there is a role and a responsibility, specifically if you are in the home of your parents. I'm talking to those that are, let's just, for the sake of conversation, say technically under 21 and in the home. This is such an American thing. Other cultures look at us like we're crazy. We're the only culture in the world, okay, not the only one, but we're one of the leaders, where we define adulthood by ages and we define people in the home by those ages and other cultures, they just don't, they don't live this way. So we're kind of peculiar in how we do this. But if you're, let's say, under 21 and you are in the home, I am speaking also to you about the role of your mother in your life. Family matters. All of those purposes being served in it. My goal today is to elevate the biblical view and responsibility of womanhood to call older women to action in their role within the church and to inspire younger women to strive for godliness as a woman. And as I am not, nor have I ever been, and nor will I ever be a woman, I want to pray right now for strength and help from God as I speak to you women. Father, I thank you for your word, and it is upon your word that I will stand today. I thank you for the help of the Holy Spirit who strengthens and gives insight because I am a foolish man. I thank you, Father, for the completed work of Jesus Christ that has made it possible for us to even gather to consider your word, let alone to live by it. We praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for the work that you have done. And I pray that through the preaching of your word this morning, you would stir and encourage and inspire by your truth, by your spirit, the women of our church and the women here gathered to live godly, biblical lives Father, that stand out in a world that is crooked and perverse. And may they grow in their godly dignity as a woman and lead many to the same cross of Christ that saved them. Father, we thank you for your word. I pray today as your word goes forward in many places and especially here that the sinner would be humbled to repentance and salvation. I pray, Father, that the holiness of your people would be promoted, that we would be holy as you are holy. And I pray that Christ, the Savior, would be exalted. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. As our culture, we spoke last week, continues to ever diminish the role of man, what we are seeing is the diminishing of man and the elevation of woman. This is interesting, and it doesn't take rocket science or a degree to watch the news and understand that's what the culture is doing. Diminishing the man, elevating the woman. If we're paying very careful attention, and I hope we are, because if the Lord tarries, we're going to deal with more things that are not good. If we're paying very careful attention and looking with biblical eyes, it's not going to be long before both man and woman will be diminished. And as we are watching the great battle for transgenderism, as we are watching the great battle for sexual identity, rage in our culture, we are coming to a point in time, you can write it down if you want to, or you can just watch the news and understand we're all disintegrating because of sin. We will see if the Lord tarries, maybe not in our generation, but in the lives of these young people, I would... Man and woman both being diminished as we elevate those who have taken measures to alter their gender identity. And we will see the promotion of those who are morally confused and biblically not even on the map or the radar at all. That's simply what is coming if we're paying attention to the neglect of God's word and the destruction of the family. Our culture dis diminishing man and elevating the role of woman, woman, looking with biblical eyes, we see the Genesis 3.16 aspect of Adam's life falling apart right in front of us. Ladies, I do not pretend to understand the battle that rages within you. Whether you are married or you are single, you have a man that is over you or have had experience with a man, a father, being over you. I don't pretend to know what that's like. You can all look at me and say, you're a guy you don't understand. That's correct. 
But what I do understand is that God has created a biblical order. And God has said that the head of every wife is the husband. And the head of the husband is Christ. And the head of Christ is God. This is his order, not my own. As we see the Genesis 3.16 problem of the woman's desire being contrary to her husband and the husband being placed in authority over the wife, we see it taking form as early as young girls rebelling from their father. This is not something that just waits for marriage, do you understand? It's not something that once a woman gets married, there grows now a contrary desire within her for the leader that is placed over her. It starts at a young age with young girls learning to rebel from their fathers. And as Adam abdicated his role with Eve and Eve starts making decisions, all the while Satan is distorting and perverting the truth of God's word, why are we surprised when we look around and see the condition that man is in? This should not and cannot be in the church among God's people. If you have a Bible with you today, and I hope you do, the book of Titus, chapter 2. Titus, the second chapter. We're going to look briefly at the first and third verse. If you do not own a Bible, if you want a Bible, you're like, man, I would love to open a Bible, but I don't have one. There are blue Bibles out there in the lobby that you can take. Please have one. Compliments of Village Bible Church. Take it, read it, give it to someone. Titus chapter 2. I'm going to start in verse 1. We, we backed up there last week. I'm just going to start there today. Verse 1, verse 3. <clears throat> but as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. We dealt with verse 2 last week. Moving into verse 3 this week. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the young women to, lo to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. You want to catch attention in today's world? Start telling women of the culture that this is how they should live. Like the, the, the culture has no time for the precepts that we just read. There are so many offensive words. Listen, I've been a pastor for, I don't whatever, 10 years. Let's just say 10 years. And greater than 75% of my work as a pastor has been marital counseling. And if you want to ignite passion in the heart of a woman, by passion, I mean anger, you say, I'm sorry, ma'am, your role is to submit. Nothing gets the job done quicker it runs counter to the culture. Counter, why? Because of the fall in Genesis. Your, your desire will be contrary to your husband, but he will rule over you. There are so many offensive words in here. Look at, uh, and I don't mean to step on any toes in the room because we have, listen, it says you need to be working at home. There are plenty of women in the room who work outside of the home. I don't believe that the Bible's taking a sledgehammer to you working outside of the home. If you and your husband are in agreement and this is what needs to happen in your home, my wife has worked outside of the home. This happens. In our culture, this happens. But here the Bible says they need to be working at home. Oh, you just want me barefoot, pregnant, and in the kitchen? This is what the culture wants to talk about. And maybe you're a man in the room who says, you bet I do. Well, that's not a, necessarily a, the most biblical view ever. But God says that you're to be working at home. This is such an offensive passage. I didn't even want to use it as my text this morning. Ladies, first point before I fall off the rails and can't come back. You are first, always, before all, before any, to pursue God. You are to be a godly woman. You are to pursue God before anything, before anyone else. And this goes in this room for every lady, regardless of station or circumstance in the room. If you are a young woman, if you are a middle-aged woman, if you are an older woman, your first pursuit always must be a right relationship with your God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Always. If at one point you fall off the rails with that, please expect to fall off the rails everywhere else. It starts, as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. As with our examination of the men last week, the context of Titus chapter 2 places the ways in which a woman is to live 
in the context of according with the teachings of Jesus Christ. What is laid out here for older men, for older women? Follow it down. Just a glance with me. Follow it down through Titus. For younger women, for younger men, for bond servants, for all people, all of the actions that were called to as God's people accord with the teachings of Jesus Christ. Teach what accords with sound doctrine older men are to be, older women are to be. This way of living promotes the teachings of Jesus Christ. It follows the teachings of Jesus Christ. Young girls in the room, teenage, young adult women in the room, I don't want you spacing out or thinking that when the Bible says older, we're not talking to you. As with the man last week, older No age is given. We can dig way back into the Greek text and we can try our best to come up with one. The Bible says older. It's envisioning a more mature woman, easily understood. But we have continually focused as men, and I call you as women to focus on this as well. If you are in this room, you are older than another. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, your life as older than another should be having impact on someone younger than you. And this can happen from, perhaps from young girls, but I'm going to definitely say from teenage years and on up. If you are living a Christ-like, godly life, if you are persevering in God's word, if you are living a life of repentance toward God and obedience to Jesus Christ, you can have influence on people around you. The break students come on Tuesday mornings and I'm watching young women who know Jesus have influence on their peers. So this is not simply an older women are to be, so you don't need to pay attention because you're younger. Just as with the man, no matter the age, you are older than someone else and your life lived for God should be impacting those around you. There were no doubt a lot of silent amens as we examined the scripture concerning the man last week. I'm aware of the glances and the subtle elbows And the conversations that may have happened on the way home, why can't you be what the Bible says? Um, Ladies, I hope that you don't say those things to your husband. I hope you just pray for him. But I do understand reality. Sometimes we can't help it. We all want men living their role rightly before God. But ladies, the scripture says older women likewise are to be. You are to be, just as the man is called, living the standard that God has set. The standard of how a woman lives is not up to a woman to decide. The standard of how a woman lives is determined by God, and for Christian women, it is to be followed and obeyed. God calls the man to certain things. We examined them last week. Look at some of these that God calls the woman to as we examine a godly woman first. A godly woman is what? Look at these four things that that Paul writes to Titus. A godly woman is reverent in behavior, not a slanderer, not given to too much wine, and they are to teach what is good. Reverent in behavior, again, with just a high-level snapshot of what these are. The Greek word here carries with it the thought of holiness. Reverent in behavior, a demeanor, a composition, a dignity, a, a literal way of carrying your physical appearance that is reverent, that is holy, that is befitting of God. If you look at the ancient Greek word, it talks about befitting a man. Like every husband wants a wife that they are proud of. What territory am I treading on? And every woman wants their husband to be proud of them. Here God says older women are to be reverent in behavior. They are to be befitting of my glory, of my majesty. They are to be a reflection as woman of all that I am, displaying me, displaying the beauty of my church. They are to be reverent in their behavior, holy. You are to be holy in your conduct. You are, as a believer in Jesus Christ, one that is set apart by God as holy and responsible for pursuing holiness, reverent, in behavior, not slanderers or malicious gossips. I'm going to get into point two before I reach the midway point of this page. Before I did some work on this, point two was way down on the second part of the page because the Bible 
speaks so much about a woman controlling her tongue. All Christians have a responsibility of controlling the tongue. The tongue. James talks about it. This is a responsibility for all. But the Bible specifically talks much about women controlling their tongue. Paul and Timothy says, I urge younger widows to marry. We're like, wait a second, widows are supposed to get married? Paul says younger widows should get married. If they're old widows, care for them well. If they're young widows, they need to remarry. You know what he says? Why? You know he says? He says, because they're learning to go from house to house and they're becoming gossips and busybodies and they are sticking their nose into things that are not their business. Tell them to get married, have a husband, have children, have responsibility and stop worrying about everything they're worrying about and talking about it with everyone. Women are to be not slanderers. Women are not to be slanderers. What is that? Speaking poorly about someone else, slandering that which is not true or speaking poorly about, nor are they to be malicious gossips. The wording is very intentional. There's a gossip, someone who shares news that's not theirs with somebody else, and there's a malicious gossip, someone who is intending to do harm with the information they have about somebody else. Malicious gossips. Women are not to be slanderers, nor are they to be malicious gossips. What are they to be? They are to be governed by discretion that is governed by the Holy Spirit of God. Ladies, let discretion guard your mouths. In today's world, everyone repeats everything they hear. Whether it's theirs to repeat or not, it's become easy to hit the share button, the like button, the re... Well, it used to be tweet, but I guess now maybe it's re-X. I don't know. Show my cultural relevance. It's so easy to repeat things that are not, and if it's not bad enough, in the online phony world, we take what we read, and then we talk about it in the ear of someone. And this is, ladies, you're not the only ones that are guilty of this. Men are just as guilty. But the Bible says specifically to women, not slanderers, not malicious gossips. Discretion guards your mouth. You don't repeat everything you hear. You don't share everything you know. You show wisdom. And Proverbs 10.19 says you show wisdom by restraining your lips. Proverbs 10.19, note takers, write it down. Proverbs 10.19, this is what it says. Where words abound, transgression is unavoidable, sin. But he who restrains his lips is prudent or wise. If there's one thing that God has been working on me with, and some of you are like, he's not working fast enough. I have been working to restrain my lips. Just, just shh. In a culture that is so loud, you want to stand out, just don't say anything. What do you think about that? I have a lot of thoughts, but they're not worth sharing. It's not helpful. You know why? Because Christians, Ephesians chapter 4 says, Christians are to speak only what is good for the edification of the hearer, only as befits the moment and extends grace to the one that's listening. We're not supposed to share stuff that tears down, destroys, rips apart, causes division, is slanderous, is malicious gossip. That shouldn't be coming out of our mouth. And this is just a note for everybody in the room. Reverent in behavior, not slanderers or malicious gossips, not slaves to much wine. You're like, why didn't it say not slaves to much wine for the men? It did. Older men are to be sober-minded. It simply said it a different way. Older men are to be sober-minded. Women are to be not slaves to much wine. This is just like the man being temperate. All Christians are to be controlled by the spirit within you. Ephesians chapter 5, and I believe it's verse 18, says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The ancient text has it implied this way, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. A continual, I will empty myself and I will take on the things that you are God. I will look at you, I will listen to you, I will obey you, and I will be filled by you women are not to be slaves to much wine. They are not to be filled with <laughs> my dumb attempt at a joke. They are not to be filled with liquid spirits, but the Holy Spirit. This maybe doesn't have as much relevance in our room right now, the people that we're here with. I don't know all of your personal lives, but in the world, I know that mommy's wine time is a real big thing. And I know numerous Christians 
who give themselves to too much wine. We're to be temperate, controlled. To be a teetotaler, well, we'll talk about that another day when we talk about all the Bible says about it. At this point in time, the Bible simply says, ladies, don't be controlled by, governed by a substance outside of you, by drink that impairs your judgment, that impairs your reflection of the beauty of Christ. Reverend behavior, not slanderers, malicious gossips, not slaves to much wine. They are to be teachers of what is good. I've isolated that. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Teachers of what is good. More on that in just a minute. A godly woman first pursues God before anyone and anything else. And a godly woman who pursues God before anything and anyone else is on track to become a godly wife. Single ladies in the room, if you have not first learned how to submit to God, please do all men and yourself a great favor. Don't pursue marrying yet. Because if you are not able to submit to the one who designed marriage, you will not be able to submit in your marriage. Ask the married ladies in the room how hard submitting to a husband is. Especially when you're such a flawed man as all of us are. Ladies, first always submit to God in all things. A godly woman is on track to be a godly wife because she has first learned or is learning how to submit to God. Moms and dads, your little girl, your young lady, is learning how to submit to God and to her future husband based on every single word, action, and deed you show them. I told the guys this week was more uncomfortable than last week for me. I have four daughters. And sooner or later, sir, I'd like to take your daughter on a date. And guys, will we be okay if we're the one standing on the other side of the door? If that young man embodies all that you were when you were that age, are you letting your daughter go? Is your daughter learning enough about the holiness of God by you? To know when that comes at the door, you don't have to worry about saying a word, Dad. She's been trained up to understand godliness and holiness and what a godly man is. She's like, oh, sorry, shuts the door on him herself. Oh, I pray that's the case. Moms and dads, your little girl, your young lady is learning how to submit to the Lord and to a future husband in your home by watching every move you make. What lessons are you teaching? Dads, let this fall heavy specifically on you. She is going to learn who to marry because of you. You are training your daughters who to marry. Unless she goes entirely off the rails and rebels from everything that you are, which may be a good or a bad thing depending on your character and godliness, she's learning who to pursue and who to marry based on you. How's that report card looking? How are you shaping her views of biblical manhood and what a godly man is? Turn with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. We'll have even more fun as we try to push against the culture. Ephesians chapter 5, only dealing with a few verses here. Ephesians chapter 5 down in the 22nd verse. Wives, Ephesians 5.22, wives submit, these are important words, to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Some great misconceptions on there. Wives, please don't submit to your husbands as if he is the Lord, because he's not. Submit to your husband as you submit to the Lord in all things. I pray that your husband is an example and a model of the Lord to you. I pray that I am an example and a model of Christ to my wife. But your submission to your husband is not to him as if he is God, your submission to your husband is in reverence because of God. Your submission to your husband reflects your submission to God. 
A husband should be modeling Christ. And I talked about it last week, and I'll remind us again today. Husbands, you should be helping to further the sanctification, the purity, and the holiness of your wife. Everything that you do should be prompting and pushing and promoting and leading your wife to be further sanctified by the holiness of God, the purity of the Holy Spirit, the truth of God's word. She should be becoming more holy as you model Christ in her life. This is not just for husbands and wives. Dads, your daughters should be becoming more holy as you model Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands. If he is not modeling Christ, your role is submission to him, for this is the order created by God's design. We're going to deal with this in just a few minutes. Ladies ask all the time, my husband's My husband doesn't represent Christ at all. I'm supposed to submit to that. This is where, I don't like using this word in public because I don't like what it invokes, but this is where the divorce word starts getting talked about. Countless times over and over. Like, this is not my opinion. This is my experience with too many people. As soon as one or the other in a marriage stops doing what they're called to do, the other thinks, it's all over. It's all over. There's nothing I can do now. It's all over. Incorrect unbiblical, ungodly. There is a path. None of us should be looking at it because we should be looking at the cross of Christ that reconciled all of our wretchedness and took us in and saved us and understanding that we can reconcile with one another because of what the cross of Christ did in our own lives. Far too often, men are not leading their wives and a Christian wife is tempted and prone far too often to say, I'm out. The Bible speaks to that specifically, and if you want to talk more about that, if this is something that is very real in your life right now, I want to sit with you and talk about all that the Bible says regarding that situation in the world because the church has got it wrong and the world has no clue. God talks about divorce, and we need to understand what it says, but it cannot be a first line of defense, and that's all the world does with it. That's all the world does with it. I want everyone in the room to think about how many people you know that have been married how many times. The world throws marriage away. Christians do not. God does not throw away his marriage. The marriage supper of the Lamb has come. He's not going to disregard that because we're an imperfect bride. He's going to perfect us. And he's going to bring us home for eternity. And the church is a reflection of that. So husbands, are you furthering the beauty and holiness of your bride or are you discarding her? That's not what Jesus Christ did for you. Wives, are you tempted to run away? Don't. That's not what Jesus did for you. Pull it in, pull it in. Submit to your own husband. Wives, submit to your own husband. Specifically young ladies, perhaps young married ladies, Perhaps older, you know what, I'm just going to talk to ladies and maybe you're figuring this out and I'm just going to share it. So no matter the age, let's just understand what God's word says. Submit to your own husband. Ephesians 5.22, Colossians 3.18, Titus 2.4, and 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, all say, wives, submit to your own husband. What's the rule? Pay attention to everything God says. If he says it more than twice, really pay attention. If he gets to a third time, I hope you've got it memorized. Four times across the New Testament, God's word says, wives, submit to your own husband. The note, your own husband. Husband, talking to married women. Not to your father anymore. Not to your brother. Not to an uncle Not to that strong male voice that gives you attention like you wished other men would give you. Submit to your own husband. Dads, hear this specifically. Speaking to my future self, Lord help me. When you give your daughter's hand to that man on her wedding day, when you walk down the aisle, who gives this woman her mother and I, and you exchange hands. When you let go, I said it last week, I said it the week before, I'm saying it again today, I'll probably say it again next week. You're letting go of the authority you have over your daughter. 
You're a role. You have influence. But that role has changed. Dads, when you give your daughter's hand into the hand of another man through the holy ordinance of marriage, who gives this woman, you are relinquishing your authority. She is not yours any longer. She belongs to her husband. What God has joined together, let no man separate. Ladies, let your husband lead. Don't run and call your dad. I'm talking to young women because boy, does our culture want to help this. Young ladies, specifically growing up in today's culture, you don't run to call your dad if your husband can't figure it out. You let him lead. Men get all torqued about men not leading. Do you know why men don't lead? Because their women disrespect them. There are things we don't know how to do. Well, my dad knows how to do it. Why don't you call my dad? Have dad fix it. Dad can go, I'll call him for you. No, let him lead. Offer help to him. You're his help me. What can I do to help you? Can, do you want me to call someone? Would it be helpful if I contacted someone for you? Please tell me what I can do to help. This is such a simple illustration. We're not even dealing with the deep, serious, spiritual problems that we have in our lives. Women want to be led. That's how God made them. But you need to recognize who is leading you. Unmarried women, you are under the authority of your father. And I've read the Bible cover to cover. I'm going to talk about something very sensitive at this point. So I'll get the emails later. That's fine. I've read the Bible cover to cover. And I only find one exchange of authority. When a daughter becomes a wife. If you're a grown woman with a father that is alive in this world today... Praise God for the father that you have and respect and submit to his authority. That's how God made it. Single women are under the authority of their father. My father is not a Christian. Well, I didn't read where the Bible says if he's a believer. It's God's created order. Submit to God as you submit to, the, submit to your husband, submit to your authority as you submit to the Lord. Ladies, the husband is the head of the wife. What if he won't lead? What if he's not leading? What am I supposed to do when he won't lead me? Well, man, one thing that irritates me is when dads come in and talk about their lazy son-in-laws. I've got to step in because my daughter's married to this lazy hack of a man over there. Why did you give him your daughter's hand? You don't understand. I have to go and I have to intervene because my, listen, if your daughter, if you're in the room today and you have a daughter that is at risk, she's in danger, please intervene. Don't let somebody live in danger. But if you let your daughter marry a man who wasn't prepared to be a husband the way that God says a man should be a husband, where are you, Adam? It's that crucial for us. Young ladies, if you are married to a man who is not ready to be a husband to you, who does not understand what God has declared of being a husband, what God has designed for being a man to you, it's not dad's fault alone. There's such a deep biblical mystery here that I just barely scratched the surface of just now. And we're going to set it on a shelf and keep talking about husbands and wives, moms and dads. As you are devoted to the Lord, so you are to be devoted to your husband, which reflects your devotion to God. Now, we do have the issue of there are husbands who do not lead. The husband is the head of the wife, but the husband won't lead. Yes, some men are disobedient to the word. Yes, some men do not know what they are supposed to be as a husband, as a father. Yes, there are men who do not lead their wives to church. And for the life of me, all spiritual matters aside, I cannot understand why any man lets any woman go anywhere without him. I, I can't understand that. I'm controversial enough to say it. I'm a bit patriarchal in my views, just a bit, not as much as others that I know, but just a bit. And my wife was given to me by her father and by the Lord to protect and care for. And the thought that men in the world are just simply okay with their wives going wherever they want, doing what they want, most specifically even to the church, I can't fathom it. I choose to be at my wife's side whenever and wherever I can because she is my wife. God gave me her as a responsibility. Is she unable to fend for herself? Is she unable to do the things that she needs to do? No, no, but I take that role that seriously. 
And I know that in the room there are those who have differing thoughts on that whole opinion. God will never abandon you. Husbands, that's us, to our wives. Don't abandon them. Don't be absently present. Be with your wife. Look different than the culture. My husband doesn't lead our family. I've read the entire Bible. Nowhere does it say that if your husband doesn't lead, you get to usurp his authority and lead on your own terms. Ladies, I'm sorry. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, look at God's word, preparing wives who are married to men who don't obey God, so that even if your husband does not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. When they see your Titus chapter 2, verse 3, reverent behavior, not slanderous, not malicious gossips, not slaves to much wine, teachers of what is good. When a disobedient husband sees a woman living that way, God says, you let me work on him. You follow me and I'll work on him. I sit with wives who are like, I can't fix my husband. No kidding. The Bible says you can't. The Bible doesn't tell you to fix your husband. One without a word. It's just so common. The husband is disobedient to God's word. Fill that in however it applies. And how frustrating. Men, come on. Obey God and lead your spouse. Lead your wife. Men are disobedient. The woman doesn't do what God calls her to do without a word. Pursue holiness. Pursue God first. The woman doesn't do. Instead, the woman gets all irritated it, it, good, over and over and over and over again with people who look like excellent Christians and people who have no idea what Christianity is. I have watched this play out over and over and over again. Women get all irritated with their husbands. Let's talk about simply professing Christian women. They get so irritated with their husbands. You know what happens when you get irritated? Ladies, if you don't know, what happens when you get irritated is you become quarrelsome. And if you become quarrelsome, the next thing that happens is you become a nag. I couldn't have said anything more offensive than that. Did you know that Proverbs twice says that a man would rather live on the corner of a roof or in a desert than in a house with a quarrelsome woman? Proverbs says that a nagging, quarrelsome wife, a quarrelsome wife is worse than a continual dripping on a rainy day. God's word says that, not John White. God's word says that. How does this happen? It happens when we don't do what God's word calls us to. Instead of getting irritated, instead of getting quarrelsome, recognize the disobedience of your husband to the word of God and what? And pray. And pursue holiness. And help the best way that you can by elevating your husband before the throne of a holy God. Ladies, if you're running your mouth about your husband's failures, you are not helping the situation. Just be, shh, shh. Be quiet and pray. Find the support that you need in your sisters in Christ. Turn to God's word. The amount of times I have counseled women, I can't fix my husband. No. How often do you pray for him? And it's crickets that respond to me. He just won't get his act together. And what does your pursuit of holiness look like? And I get a blank stare in return. Wives, you need to understand, part of your husband's obedience and submission to God is found in how you are pursuing God when he's disobedient. And this isn't talking about women who are married to non-believers. That's a real thing. This is talking about Christian men and women and husbands who are disobedient to the word and Christian wives responding to them. So this gets really uncomfortable when we stop thinking about the world out there and bring it right here into the church house. Husbands, are you obeying God's word? Because when you don't obey God's word, your wife sees your disobedience. You become an imperfect, which you are, model of Jesus Christ, which causes irritation in her, which is going to lead to quarrelsome activity between the two of you, which is not what God's design is. And the next thing you know, the whole house is melting down, and here we are back to square one with, I think I should just call it quits. Why? Because we abdicated. 
because we listened to the distortions of the enemy and we left the truth of God's word. Oh, Lord, help us. Lastly, and quickly, because it's getting late, no less important, though, a godly woman is on track to be a godly wife. And a godly woman is to be a teacher. Whether she has children or not, a godly woman was made with mothering instinct. That's part of the role that God gave. It's interesting to me in the context of Titus 2, the directions provided for man and woman, you can find your way back there, Titus chapter 2, the directions given for man and woman do not talk about husbands, wives, fathers, mothers. It talks about the man. It talks about the woman. But then it says in those qualifications, remember those lists of what a godly woman is, reverent behavior, not slanderers, malicious gossips, not slaves to much wine. They are to be teachers of what is good. Teacher implies that the woman is not alone. She has an audience. And who is that audience? It's so rich, so biblically rich. She's to teach what is good. First, what is good? Jesus says only God. Okay, teach what is good. Good is the subject matter, so I'm supposed to teach godly things. If you're supposed to teach what is good, then you're supposed to teach what is godly because only God is good. But who am I supposed to be teaching? I don't have a class in front of me. Oh, yes, you do? And look what the Bible says about it. She is to teach what is good. Verse 3 goes into verse 4, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Train the younger women. In our day, in the church culture, women are being stirred to serve in a number of biblically misaligned roles. We just talked about this. These are not bad intentions. For a woman to want to teach is not a bad thing. It's a good thing for a woman to want to teach. But the Bible is very clear about who they are to teach. Train young women. Love their husbands. Is that all I can do? Is that all I can do? Ladies, don't diminish God's call in your life by thinking it's all you can do. Elevate God's call on your life by realizing it is what he has called you to do. There was a young pastor and an older pastor, and I'll close. The older pastor wrote about the young pastor's sincere faith. He wrote about how the pastor should work through. He was a pastor at a very difficult church, and he was writing him how the, how the young pastor should conduct business within the church, what he should do. He helped him by encouraging him. He urged him on in his studies. He gave him instructions for focusing his time. There, it's a beautiful writing of this older pastor to this younger pastor. It's been so helpful to so many pastors that I know. The older pastor wrote about the faith that the young pastor had. And he says, faith that has dwelt in you and in your grandmother and in your mother. And before you start looking for the next book, I'm talking about the Apostle Paul and the first and second letters to Timothy. Timothy wanted to do great things for the church, great writings and help to the church. And Paul says that product came about by the work of the Holy Spirit through a grandmother and a mother who valued the ministry God gave them to women and children. Our culture would devalue that. All I can do is teach women and children. No, the most you can do is teach women and children. Women of the church, I need you to be godly teachers to other women and to our children. God calls you to that. We need that in our church. Please, please, when you see a young woman stumble... When you see a young mother struggle, don't fold your arms with a condescending look in judgment and stare at them. Roll your sleeves up and assume the biblical God-given role that you have to put your arm around that struggling young woman, that single mom, that mother of children who she can't get them under control and come alongside and help her. That's what God says you are to do. Don't fight it for what you want to do. Obey God. Do what God says to do. So much more to say. It's a shame that in our day we don't have such great attention spans because I would love to talk on this for quite a longer amount of time. 
To the women of our church, I simply want to say this, and I'd love to follow up with any who disagree, with any who want to know more, and please know that I am praying for you, and please forgive my tone if it has come across as angry, but I'm telling you right now, we as Christians are failing in our roles as husbands, as wives, as fathers, as mothers. We are not adhering to God's word, and when we do, we will see in the church house something that stands out from what is seen in the world. If you don't believe or understand this, I invite you on any given Tuesday morning to come and spend time with the public school kids. Please, come. To the women of our church, don't ever underestimate how God may use your steady, consistent, perseverant, in faith, word, and deed life and that of your husband and that of other women around you or children around you. Women, You are teaching young boys what to look for in a future spouse. You are teaching young boys about their role of manhood and what that means, how they'll pursue that. God used one godly woman, Timothy's grandmother, to raise another godly woman, Timothy's mother, to raise a godly man who had great impact for the kingdom of God. And we diminish and devalue the role of woman to teaching other women and teaching children. Ladies, as you live out what the Lord calls you to as a woman, as a wife, as a mother, may it be said of you as is found in Proverbs 31, her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. I want to pray for you ladies in the room. It's the most that I can do because this, God, thank you for helping me and I recognize my weakness and my failing. I recognize my incompetency at points. Father, and I am so thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ has made a way for us to stand before your throne and to plead for help. And God, in this moment, I cast myself aside and do not pray for me or for my brothers in the room. I pray, God, for the women of our church. Father, I pray for your protection over their heart and their mind. Protect them, Father, from us and our imperfect following of who you are. Protect them from our failures as men. Father, help them to look first and to see you and only you first and to pursue you with devout passion. God, protect them from the culture. Protect them from the lies and deceit of the enemy. Protect them from the serpent who is still deceiving woman. God, I pray, protect them from their own hearts. You have told us, all of us, our hearts are sick and wicked. Father, I pray that you would create in all of us a new heart. Father, I pray for our women. Strengthen them as teachers to one another. Strengthen them as teachers to children. Strengthen them as mothers, as daughters, as wives. God, strengthen them in the various roles they hold outside of the church, the various capacities that they fill, the witnessing opportunities they have of what biblical womanhood looks like. And I pray, Father, that you would use the women of our church to lead many to the cross of Christ and to save. Father, you are good. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you have any questions about anything you just heard or if we can pray for you, please contact us at info at Until next time, stay in God's word.